Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Keep up with the latest headlines from Austin and beyond on the all-new Talk1370.com. Stay informed with the latest news, weather, contests, and more. It's all just a click away at Talk1370.com. Just one more way to stay connected with Talk 1370. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill. Les Kaiser and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City. And it is Speed City tonight. We're going at a thousand miles an hour. <laughs> yes, we are. That's what it feels like anyway. Uh, part of it is because it was an amazing Formula One race today yeah. and a great hey. IndyCar race yesterday. Yeah, it's been a good weekend of racing. It's been a beautiful weekend here in the home of the American Grand Prix, which is Austin, Texas. Little old Elroy. Absolutely. But, uh, man, I got to tell you, the Indy Grand Prix was awesome this year. Loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved I've it. I've loved it so much. I'm going. I still have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. next year you're I, going. I decided, I bu- no, no, I'm going. I'm not going to the You'll Grand go Prix. You'll go to the 500. I'm okay. going to go to the 500. But, um, we I did that the, last year. Can well, it get yeah, any yeah, yeah. better than last year? I've never actually done the Grand Prix or been to the Grand Prix. I was really impressed with the crowd. Um, yeah. Big crowd there yesterday. A beautiful day. Scott Dixon on great form. Will Power on better form. And we'll, we'll have the evidence of that later because I spoke to him from Indy live from the race last night. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a big deal. We got an interview with him, and he also sat down with Inga Strecker and talked Formula One. Yeah, I did. Um, I don't know. Do you want to talk Indy first, or do you want to talk Formula One? I guess we got to talk Formula One, because it, 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 it absolutely dominated the day. And I, I actually do think that, in many ways, this weekend's Formula One was what everybody's been hoping for, which is a new page, a new chapter. The European season, when it kicks off in Spain... Um, is always kind of a time where, first of all, teams bring their upgrades, which they did. Right. Um, but also, it's a chance for the teams to kind of, you know, work as they normally would, which is from Europe, because most of them are based in Europe, including Haas, mostly, um, the American team. Um, and we did see a lot of upgrades, and we did see a few new I- innovations that Liberty made, too. One including the numbers, duh, and one including right. the names, duh. It's so yeah. simple, guys. You could watch the animation film of Cars and get the fact that that's that simple. I know. Simple. When I looked up and saw the miles per hour below the... I, you know, normally you have to have a calculator going... I mean, I know you can say, all right, 325 is roughly 200 miles an hour, right. and that's always the one I'm really looking for is that 200 miles an hour. But how nice was it to have the miles per hour on the graphics yeah and you know to me uh the whole thing of will out after uh out on the grid after the qualifying very cool i thought that was a great interview series right there you know not only the first three but alonzo's news too so that was that was very cool yeah if you're not familiar with it obviously they used to go into a formal press conference sit in front of a desk and do that thing Behind behind closed doors and it goes out to the tv uh world as it were so, I mean, some people liked it, some people didn't. I think it was great for the crowd. My argument would be that it doesn't necessarily have to be the, the top three. It could be, as they 
added, Alonso, it could be the Spanish. You know, you, I think you play to your audience. You've got 150,000 people at the track, as they are here sure. at the Circle of the Americas. Play to your strengths, which is, in our case, you know, if there was Americans uh, like Rossi on the grid, as, as we had in the past, we, we talked to him. Uh, and in this case now, we talked to Gene Haas, maybe, or oh, even yeah. Roman Grosjean. So, yeah. uh, you know, I get it, and I think it's a good idea. I mean, we've got the resources to do that. I mean, really, it's not that hard. Um, but it does make it hard for TV, that's all, hey, because it's a little bit kind of... Yeah. Before this show's yeah. over, we got to talk about the new member of Gene Haas's team, the Haas F1 team. I know, we got to talk about that for, later on. Well, you know, the whole Haas weekend was actually pretty good. I know we had a puncture right there with, what, a lap or two to go oh, yeah. for Magnuson, but the Haas weekend, they... He were, almost had a great day day, didn't he? I mean, it really <laughs> was yeah. a great day. He drove brilliantly. Uh, I don't know how much you focused on that battle he had with uh, Carlos Sanz Jr. was brilliant. Yeah. Um, oh, and he would long. not let him by. I mean, it was awesome. And there was a couple of times, I mean, Carlos, this is, this is the kid racing at home. He's got a grandstand named after him. He he wanted blood, and Magnuson said, uh-uh. Yeah, all race long. You know, all what? of that worked out awesome. I mean, I, I love the battles that were going on. Yeah, and uh, it was great because all race long, we got to see more of Haas probably than maybe any race before because they were in the points for most of the race, and they were battling with, with signs for the whole race. So we, you know, the, the world feed was showing a ton of Haas this this race, and I'm assuming well, it was because of the battle, mostly. Okay, you know, one of the things we're going to have to be tender about is that we don't inundate the world with Haas on the broadcast. Now, naturally, it's it's the U.S., but I love the fact that there was so much attention because they were performing so well. We almost had both of them in the points. Yeah, I, I think that's what it was. I don't I keep think saying were... we like we're part of the team. <laughs> we're we the are. the only American team we got. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, we are part of the team. Yeah, there you go. It's official. <laughs> no, but there was a lot today uh, to discuss. Uh, and I think in, in many ways it, it might be worth starting out by talking to Inga because she was in Barcelona over the weekend. Um, we had a chance to talk about sort of what I would call the salient points. And I think if we if we start at that point, then we can kind of pick off what she says and, the, and then maybe uh, have a further chat. Yeah, well, let's go ahead and do that. Let's go ahead and play this clip with you and Inga. And this was, what, an hour or so ago. So, uh, And you guys cover a lot of the Formula 1 ground. So let's play this, this uh, Inga and Jonathan right now. Okay, Speed City fans, straight after the fifth round of the Formula One 2017. Uh, we have Inga Strecker on the line once again here on Skype. Like to, great to see you, first and foremost, Inga. And, uh, well, as predicted, it was the race we hoped it would be, which was great rivalry um, between Ferrari and Mercedes. Right, indeed. It was actually what everybody was hoping for you know it started at the start as i had predicted you know it was hamilton on pole fettel on second and hamilton got off and it looked good but then fettel suddenly is like as if he fired a rocket and he went past diving into the first corner on the inside hamilton had no chance and fettel was through so that was that then um the bit stops uh then fettel went in really early which I was surprised on. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think they were caught between a rock and a hard place. They did the hard work, which was they got the lead, and I think they had Mercedes on the, you know, on the rails a little bit. You heard the radio from Hamilton saying, "Hey, I can't keep up on this pace. Um, what are we going to do?" Where it was obvious that Ferrari had planned a three-stop. Um, but um, I think, you know, like I said, the, the, the tale of the tale was the fact that they got that um, virtual uh, safety car perfectly timed and Mercedes took advantage and that really was yeah. the difference in the race, huh? 
as you plan it. But it was quite funny in the beginning, you know, that early pit stop of Vettel. It was quite funny because the, uh, the, the Mercedes guys were coming out. They were running out the uh, of the garage with tires. So everybody thought, oh, Mercedes is going to do an early pit stop. So maybe Ferrari reacted on that. But then Mercedes went back in. So I don't know if they were playing tricks or teasing. I don't know. It was interesting. So then we have, you know, suddenly we have Hamilton front again. Then this fantastic overtaking maneuver by Vettel, you know. And in the end, made mega overtaking by Hamilton. So we had everything at the front. We had a lot of stuff going on on the back. Um, it was it was an amazing race. I can only say it was really exciting. What was your take on the first corner incident? I felt for Raikkonen, as I predicted, I hoped he would win. And I think he was in a position to this weekend, but uh, obviously it was thwarted. Um, racing incident, in my opinion, I mean, Botas certainly didn't mean to hit him. Uh, and of course, therefore, he then constituted into Verstappen. That's how I saw it. Yeah, it was a threesome, threesome in the first corner. It was three cars next to each other. Um, yeah, I would say, and that's what, you know, the race, di race directors did as well, saying it's a racing incident. And it's good that they did that. There were a few of those where they all investigated it. And um, in the end, none, none of it was punished except poor Wehrlein, who's doing a brilliant job. I mean, come on from P, where was he? 20. P15, all the way up to P7. Yeah. Uh, he lost P7 because of five-second penalty, but still P8. Six points for Sauber. Fantastic. And I have to say, fantastic for us Germans as well. Yeah, really good. Uh, very good indeed. Uh, it was a fantastic drive and, I, I you know, he was penalised and I, I, felt, I felt for him. But um, um, going back, the, the, the story of the day, though. He is not a Mercedes Junior for no reason. He's not what? He's not a Mercedes Junior for no reason. I was going to say, that could come into play eventually, couldn't it, down the road? Why do you, yep. why do you tell us more about that? Well, I mean, although he is with Sauber now, um, he still, you know, he still has his connection to Mercedes. Can be interesting to see when he's running a Honda engine at Sauber next year if he stays at Sauber. Who knows, you know? But all in all, as we were saying yesterday, or actually on Friday, um, silly season has started early. I know. At one point, um, Lee Diffie here in the American commentary was talking about Vettel possibly going to Mercedes. Anything? Any insight or rumor on that? I told you that a couple of weeks ago. He Fair is enough. neighbor with Toto Wolf in Switzerland. And Toto said, we're neighbors. We're just having neighborship talks. Interesting. Can you can you really, though, in, in your heart of hearts, believe that he would want to go to Mercedes right now? Uh, I'm going to quote Toto Wolf, who said, Federalist in the fastest car right now, or in a very fast car right now. Speaking of... Today, I think the Silver Arrows and Ferrari were more or less matching speeds. Sure. Which is why I wonder that... that so why would you swap? Why would you want to swap? You know, it's like you've finally gotten Ferrari there. And you want to... And, and celebrating with Mercedes is great. I'm pretty sure he will want that at some stage because it's a German manufacturer. And, and he knows them very well. But, um, you know, it's amazing also how really faultless and, and perfect almost his Italian has become. Yeah. He was like going out and thanking the team in perfect Italian on the radio over again. It's the the enthusiasm of the two 
Fosey is different again. And did you see that little boy, the little Ferrari fan in the grandstands? That actually made my day because the Raikkonen incident was, you know, pivotal to his race. But following the little child where he burst into tears and was just distraught by the whole situation. And then they found him and he met his hero. I love it. Well, it was, first he was like crying, like heartbroken, you know. And then Fettel is in the lead and he's jumping <laughs> up and down. And then the next thing you see is he's in the paddock with his parents. So you're like, well, how did this kid get from the grandstand to the paddock, which just looks like Ford Knox, nobody gets in there. Then he's in the Ferrari hospitality and Kimmy, who I thought would be in a corner upset, he's like smiling, posing for selfies and giving a little dad a hat. It was fantastic and I was really cool. I mean, do you feel, and you've just come back from Barcelona, do you feel that this is all part of a sort of new emerging liberty-led Formula One? Because you mentioned the Heineken thing, um, you know, in the paddock. Uh, you know how hard it is to get in the paddock, even as a journalist. Uh, and so for a little boy of six to be in the grandstands and then suddenly be, you know, suddenly in the, in the Ferrari hospitality, somebody's made some interactions there to make that happen. And a wise choice and, and, and an opening up of Formula One to the fans. 100%. Although I thought Kimmy would offer him an ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> the Iceman the ice man doesn't give it. Yeah. He cometh, but not give it. But, <laughs> but no, I, I definitely agree with you. It is 100% the new Formula One. And everybody's starting to call it the new Formula One now. It's, it's excitement. It's, it's, it's fantastic. It's like... You, you feel like, oh, it's great to be part of this. You know, I was in Barcelona and I walked behind the main grandstand and there was a whole fan village. We've had that before with where you can purchase merchandise. But there was a zip line going all along behind the main grandstand with, with just massive, it's massively big. And people were on the zip line overlooking the, the racetrack. They were changing tires on like a demo car. There was so much going on. It's a whole fan experience, which is the new thing of the new Formula One. Yeah, Jonathan, that is obviously this was a fantastic race. There's so many stories out of this this race today. There's a lot. There's a lot in there, uh, and a lot of it has to do with the presentation, to be honest, uh, and the rivalry. I mean, the racing aside, it was good racing. But it, but I, I want to talk about this after the break because there was a lot of liberty in this weekend, including the little boy Thomas Darnell from France. I'm. Uh, I thought Kimmy informed. would have been crying like he was, but <laughs> what do I know? Uh, good point. Kimmy spent some time with some fans. Good for Kimmy. I love it. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and go to a break. We're, when we come back, we're going to answer some questions we got on Twitter. Eric tweeted at us and asked, wants to know about Lewis Hamilton's tire management and uh, the heartbreak for Kevin Magnuson. No problem. Uh, you're listening to Speed City live from Austin, Texas. Back after a quick break. The Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only MB Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by MB Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. 
Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. If every talk radio program were the same, what would be the point? The Michael Berry Show is a little bit different. We're going to talk about politics, but we'll also talk about how great it is to live in Texas. Weekdays, 5 to 7 on Talk 1370. It's the Michael Berry Show. The right choice for breaking news first. Talk 1370. The right choice. Hi, this is Jeff Gordon, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City. One of the greats. Jeff Gordon. Absolutely. All right, we're talking a little Formula One. We're going to stick with that conversation because we promised we would answer a tweet while ago. So, Jonathan, I'm going to throw it at you first and then you, Les. You know, he's wanting to know about Lewis Hamilton's tire management, and is he magic or what? (laughs) Who is this? This is Eric, Eric okay, Johnston. Eric. Yeah, Eric, um, yeah, he's been on the show before. Uh, Eric, yeah, it, to be honest, today wasn't really tyre management per se, um, but it was brilliant strategy um, by um, by the team, by Mercedes, by James Voles, in fact, the chief strategist for um, the Mercedes team, because what they did is effectively everybody started on the soft tyre, and the soft tyre could do something in the region of 20 to 30 laps. Then you had to use the premium tire, the medium tire, as it was called. It wasn't such a good tire. It wasn't as fast, um, and no one liked it as much, but everybody had to use it. It depended on how long you got, had to use that uh, medium tire. And the reason why, effectively, they won was because on strategy, what Hamilton did was he came in while the virtual safety car was out, effectively saving himself a normal pit stop, because a normal pit stop would be probably 20-plus seconds, i.e. two, three seconds while you're stopped, but you've got to get in and out. And Barcelona's quick, but basically, because he did it under virtual safety, he allowed himself that time where everybody was going slow. So it was a piece of genius because Vettel couldn't react because it was right at the end of that safety. Totally agree there, you know, but but let's talk specifically about the tires. When you get into that, everybody's got the same technology. He and Botas are absolutely running the same technology, but there's a seat-of-the-pants feel that come into play with it. And I'll say I I dealt with that a little bit with sports cars where the owner of the car that I was driving his car, I actually did a better point of managing the traction with it. But that is something that you can lean on that electronic intelligence so much, but there's a little bit that's still some seat of the pants. You're right, though. On the safety car, everybody having the entire population that's out on track moving slower during that time, that's a prime time to take pit stop because they're covering less footage on the track while you're limited to the same speed you would be if they were running full speed when you came through the pits. And at the time, they were on different strategies because Ferrari were on a three-stop strategy and they had an eight-second lead. And if you remember, when finally uh, Vettel did come in, he just pipped Hamilton. So that that, that whole eight seconds was gone and he actually forced him off the road, kind of. Uh, So it it was a really interesting battle. Yeah, there is definitely some things to talk about on that exit. As Ham came back out, 
out and they're going through there. There was that series where they come out side by side. The blue flag is waving. And so there's some discussion. Wait a minute. What does the blue flag actually mean to a driver? Well, it means you've got somebody faster than you coming up. But does that mean you have to give way if no, you're in a competitive not. line? Not when you're on on the same lap. Not when you are fighting for the lead. Competitive yeah. with that driver, you don't have to give way. So that argument is, is is wrong for those of you that started that discussion online. The other is they came out side by side. They went into that turn. Ham got pushed out. He did not cross the berms, the bumps that we talked about. So he did not have to go past that last that, ballard, last ballard yeah. that was called out. If you hit the the berms. Yeah, my argument with that, because Lee Diffie brought that up and said he might be penalized, and I didn't think um, that uh, Tom Christensen, who was the FIA delegate today, um, would penalize him, and he didn't, because basically that was a, what I would call a racing incident. He had to take avoiding accident action, for, or they would have hit each other, so he had to go off track. So it wasn't as though he was having to then, you know, he, he didn't force himself off track, so I, I believe the decision yeah. was correct. And by the letter of the law, I totally agreed. I had to watch the replay of that. Ham did not hit any of those bumps in the berm in the apex of that turn or actually on the outside at that point. So by the letter of the law and the discipline they put in for this course, if you didn't, if you hit those, you had to go past that bollard to re-enter the track. He didn't hit them, he could get right back in. And by the way, just to finish off Eric's point, <laughs> don't think for one minute that the man's a magician because he was on the radio to his strategies, to his engineers saying, hey guys, when do I push? How hard do I push? These tires behind me are overheating. And he was really worried about that. Pirelli weren't as worried as he was because they were saying that certain corners uh, here in Barcelona give you the feel that the, the, the tire is overheating, but actually they, the longevity is still there in them. So don't think for one minute. Hamilton was huffing and puffing throughout that race. Yeah. He was panicking a lot, and afterwards he was relieved because it was a piece of genius the whole race, but he was not at all thinking he was being smooth and cool and, and calm and collected. He was definitely worried that his tires were going. Hey, the huffing and puffing is a whole other topic. we got to talk about that, though. Yeah, well, the other thing, the other half of Eric's question was the question about Haas, which is obviously my favorite topic, as you guys can tell. But, I mean, we touched on it earlier about how they've had a great weekend. But uh, but obviously Magnussen with the penultimate lap, oh, his tire, just, gets, uh, it was gut-wrenching. It is heartbreaking because Kevin Magnussen, who I really do believe, uh, having watched his father and continuing to watch his father, who was here a couple of weeks ago racing for Corvette, Jan, um, I do believe that Kevin Magnussen is a sleeping giant, as is Carlos Sanz Jr., and we saw glimpses of it, Whirline another one. So this is, this is effectively the next generation. As we know, Kevin's had a few uh, bites at the cherry. He's had a few uh, different race seats, but this is the one where he's got to make it stick. And I think today we saw the first little bit of a real aggression about what he's all about. And I was really impressed today. Sadly, it ended with a puncher. Yeah, and the way he was <laughs> racing all weekend long, I'm telling you, those guys... It's funny, we saw last year Gutierrez was not able to keep up with Groshan. I mean, very seldom was he even ahead of it at either in qualifying or any time. But Magnussen looked good all weekend. He looked strong all weekend and looked like that... And I mean, look, he was a lap and a half away from, uh, from beating Grosjean this time. Absolutely. You know, uh, I want to jump back to the huffing and puffing of Hamilton there. Realize this year's difference in G-forces went from 3.9 to 5.1 in the G-force. That is huge. I mean, think about, okay, so, you know, I had, did a little research. Your head probably weighs 11 pounds. Now, 
I want you to lay down your bed and hang your head off without supporting it. What that means? I've done is, that a few times. That's one G. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was something else involved. Booze, I think. But uh, hey, so you're laying on your bed, hanging your head off, but you're holding it level. That's one. Yeah, G. I've usually got a bowl underneath me at this point. <laughs> that's all righty. Now we're going somewhere else. That is one G force that it takes to hold your head level. Three point nine. Let's say four times. That means you're holding up forty four pounds. Yeah. On your neck, keeping your head straight out. We went from forty four to 51 pounds this year in the equivalent. So they're facing that in every extreme turn that we're talking about. Huge difference. It is. No wonder he's huffing and puffing. But, uh, you know, I will say I didn't hear anybody else in their communications to their teams huffing like he was. I don't know if he panicked. I don't know if he didn't have the stamina to go through that G-force. I did hear another. Go on. I was just going to say there were other drivers that were huffing and puffing a little bit, too. I can't remember who it was right now, but I heard somebody else. Gunter Steiner was one of them. (laughs) Don't panic! Don't panic! Whatever you do, Kevin, don't panic! As he panicked. (laughs) Kevin's like, yeah, all right, boss. I'm doing fine. I got this. I think they all called him on that one. (laughs) Sorry, that was my Gunter Steiner impression. I hope I didn't blow anybody's eardrums. Uh, There you go. Don't panic! It was pretty good, actually. Well, not not bad. I don't think you'll be invited back into no. the shop anymore. But okay, well, <laughs> that, blows, that goes my. Don't ruin it. Don't uh, ruin our go. connection to, to Haas. Go. Fair enough. Well, what about some of the other stories in the in the race, guys? I mean, obviously the big the other big part of the Haas story was uh, Carlos Sainz and him battling. But mm-hmm. uh, what about his five second? What do you think about when they were coming out of the pits? The the penalty that he got again, great. I mean, good racing. Um, but I mean, really, Carlos can't be expected. I mean. You know, he was trying to force the issue. Magnuson had the line. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have no... I, first of all, good for Kevin to keep his foot in because uh, he knew what was about to happen. They were side by side. He had the line. He had the absolutely had the line. Uh, and and, and, and Sands is saying, no, I, I, I'm going to overtake you here. And Kevin's like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> if you need to overtake me, go on the grass. And yeah. he did. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. There, were, there were some straight things. But, you know... The team did great. Grosjean got 10. Magnuson got 14. But honestly, I loved the news that came out today, especially with this weekend's role, uh, results. Arun Miani came in. He won in GP3 this weekend. Oh, yeah, weekend. that's right. Congrats, yeah, yeah. buddy. Welcome to the Haas team. Here we go. When we have a developmental driver like that, you know, to stand, stand by Santino Ferrucci, what a great combination of our development drivers already showing the performance at that level. That's huge. That is huge. Yeah, no question. No, wait, was for, uh, Santino Ferrucci racing against him in the same series this weekend? Uh, no, I don't believe Santino raced. But I, okay. just regardless, the finish yeah, to have yeah, yeah. A, a top placement under GP3. You know, I, I texted back and forth with Santino, Santino a couple of weeks ago, and he was actually excited because he's done a little bit of the sports car racing, and there was speculation that he was going to come to Coda for – the uh, right IMSA race a couple of weeks ago. Well, he won but, the Trofeo uh, last year, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. He he knows that track. He knows that car. But uh, unfortunately, he was not in the neighborhood. Well, is uh, what about other stories going down the grid, Jonathan? I mean, obviously with uh, – what about Daniel Ricciardo on the podium? Yeah, the, the loneliest man in, in uh, Formula One. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, uh, what the, the news stories will not show, the history books will not show that actually Ricciardo had, a, had the best day he's had all season. Uh, fifth round of the year, and he gets his first podium. So, yeah, I mean, Daniel Ricciardo is quietly happy because – um, I mean, he won't be happy with the performance of the car per se, but again, I think that was a, a little bit lost on strategy. Um, but yeah, Red
Red Bull were competitive. Their upgrades were decent, but they weren't any match for Ferrari or Mercedes. And I think Ricardo knows that. And in fact, he was interviewed uh, before the race saying, you know, I th- the, the, the best we can hope is, you know, that we get lucky. And he wasn't expecting higher than fourth or fifth. Um, so to get a third, yeah, it's a bonus. Yeah. We got to talk some Mercedes rumors when we get back. Yeah, we got to go ahead and take a break. And we're also going to have that interview that we did with Will Power that Jonathan did after winning. The best name in racing. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's for sure. Unless you're Scott Speed. Yeah. Uh, okay, second. Okay, they're, yeah, they're in contention. You know what? I don't know. I no, think Will Scott's, Power's got it down. That's, that's Will a, Power that's a works hard argument. in any place, any <laughs> yeah, room you walk into. This yeah. is Will Power. What do you need to go racing? Uh, Will power <laughs> or or speed? Or speed. <laughs> All right, guys, we got to go. We got to take a break. We'll be back after these quick messages. Listen to live on to Speed City in Austin, Texas. Back after these messages. you've ridden motorcycles in this part of the country for long, no doubt you know of Bud's Motorcycle Shop. Bud left this world a while back, but his legendary Harley service rides on. No longer is Bud's in downtown Austin, it is now Ravel's Heavy Duty, and they've moved out by the Formula One track. You'll see all the familiar faces, so bring in your new, used, and abused, but there's no sign of shiny showroom prices. So check it out at RavelsHeavyDuty.com. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. The Racetrack. It's where legends are born, where only the finest machines earn their reputation for innovation and dominance. Such are the nameplates you'll find at Aston Martin of Austin, Lotus of Austin, Bentley Austin and Rolls-Royce motorcars. Austin exotic, iconic automobiles whose racing heritage turns everyday driving into an inspiring journey because you're never just along for the ride. Highway 183 north of McNeil Road. We know Austin traffic can be a challenge. Come on, I can try to take you that gap. Put your foot on the gas and move it. Beat the commute with time saver traffic. Mornings and afternoons on Talk 1370, the right choice. Talk 1370, the right choice. Roger Hayden, Factor Yoshimura Suzuki. This is Speed City. Roger, Roger Hayden. Hayden. <laughs> I love him. Love right. those Hayden boys coming around. <laughs> All right, boys, let's talk about the uh, the Liberty Media influence on Formula One this weekend because it was there. It was everywhere. We talked about the the speed being displayed and the car numbers and all that and the podium stuff, but there was a bunch. There's a lot of positives. I you know I, I watch Formula One so differently than I used to because I've been there, and so I'm looking at the grid. I'm looking at who's on the grid. You know, it's a very small selection of people. Inger, Inger will con- concur with this. Um, you know, the same people are around, same photographers, the same folks. 
Today, though, was very interesting. We had Sean Bratches, who is the commercial director. We had Ross Braun there. We had Bernie Eccleston there, importantly. Um, and we also had some innovations for the first time that were definitely Liberty-led. I'm convinced. One, I don't know the, the, the for sure, but the others I do. The Will Buxton interviewing after qualifying with the top three and Alonso, definitely something that's unprecedented in Formula One. That's got to be Liberty, yeah. And, and I think that is definitely an influence by them and an influence about how Americans do involve the crowd with the with the PA. Uh, we do it here at the Circuit of the Americas um, because it's the American Grand Prix. It makes sense. Um, you know, in other words, we use the big screens because we do the, right. you know, that's what we do here. Um, I'm really ha- happy to see that happen. Uh, they also had the flying, you know, the gun, gun t-shirts, which is very Indian, very basketball, very American. Um, very American, yeah. But hey, the Spaniards loved it and, you know, everybody's getting in on it. But the 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 real clinker was uh, one thing that Inga mentioned: zip line, you know, merchandise village with a zip line, a Heineken bar in the paddock, and more importantly, hey, let's grab somebody out of the crowd and meet his hero because he was crying, poor little kid, oh, Thomas yeah. De- Thomas Denal, the yeah. little Ferrari fan who was just distraught when his hero Kimmy was taken out of the race. Kimmy came back, changed, and you know, you heard Inga say. It. Uh, a lovely, lovely little uh, gesture because they brought him in to the paddock with his mum uh, to meet Kimmy, and Kimmy gave him a hat, so he went home real happy. But in order for that to happen, you've got a somebody, you know, somebody within the Formula One, and and I'm I'm not giving Liberty all the credit here, but there's definitely an opening up, and more importantly, this is definitely something that Liberty did: social media. Social media this weekend was open to the teams and to the drivers uh, to put stuff out there about social media and obviously the other story we've already mentioned it the numbers and the yeah. identification with your heroes um we're getting better this is this is how it should be okay so i've got a little thing that's not uh, not widely known social media you're right formula one now has a direct relationship with snapchat and if you are going to a formula one race you are going to have those Snapchat filters, filters and all of that available at the race to commemorate your memories and everything that's going on there. That's kind of cool. So Holy cool mackerel, I can't believe they're stepping into you talk three about, years ago. I can't, I can't believe Les knows anything about Snapchat. I thought that's what you were going to say, but never mind. <laughs> no, I mean, Snapchat filters, I mean, for Formula it's One. It's a big deal. It is good. I mean, because they were cutting edge, what, two or three years ago, the, and Formula One finally stepping in. Sure. Well, remember, Lewis Hamilton got a little wrist slap for Snapchat oh, yeah. because he didn't have broadcast rights. And now, God forbid, he's taking a bulldog to the press conferences. <laughs> hey, gone to the he dogs, did, I no, tell you. He did. He took his bloody dog to the bloody press conference. <laughs> I saw him bloody do it. Little bulldog under his table, fell Roscoe. asleep. That's what happened. Roscoe. <laughs> so, Roscoe, yeah, the P. whole Coltrane. world's gone mad. It's great. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Hey, so, yeah, I, I totally agree. I loved the uh, post-qualifying interviews. I love, you know, hearing the Snapchat. I love hearing the social media stuff getting blown out. That's a big deal, and that's a big connection. Lewis Hamilton has known this, and the only place he hasn't really been able to do it was at the racetrack. He's, You see him playing the piano in the hotel bar and all kinds of things, and so very wise. I think, you know, Liberty understands the generation that they need to address and recruit into the fan base. And, and you know, one thing that Liberty uh, can do more of is that, you know, Formula One is this super high glamour. Everything about it is so, is you know, it, it's the rich and the famous, and they need to show Kelsey that Kelsey Grammer on grid. Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer on the grid. Yeah, there's plenty of that. others, you know. And they've done that to some degree in years past, showing yeah. su- celebrities in the in the grid. 
but they, it feels like they're doing it more, and that's why not? That's what makes this there's sport some big, so interesting. Huge, I mean, you right? know, George Lucas. There's some great fans of Formula One. Uh, you know, um, Tom Cruise. He loves both bikes and cars. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that enjoy Formula One, enjoy all the aspects that we enjoy, which is the the intricacies and the technology involved. I mean, you know, it is rockets. Uh, you know, it is rockets going round and round, yeah. literally. Uh, it's like NASA on acid. I love it um, for that reason. But yeah, I mean, Inga said it in the interview. In fact, there's more of that interview. We'll put it out on SoundCloud and we'll put it out um, later in the week. Um, and she's off to Monaco. We talked about that too. Uh, there is what she described it as was the new look Formula One. And I do really feel um, that we've just mentioned the Liberty side of it, but there's also an on-track side of it. Whether you like it or you don't like it, and I was a big fan of Rosberg, but now Rosberg's gone. The rivalry that we've got now between Vettel and between Hamilton is real. You've got a four-time world champion against a three-time world champion. Ferrari have stepped up finally caught up with uh, Mercedes as a um, as a manufacturer and as a as a team right uh, Red Bull are coming you know the, it won't be long before they're dead too Renault I think are coming strong you know we're, we're now in a situation and you're not going to blow me out of the water right now because well, I know you I know that look <laughs> but but basically this year and maybe for the next couple we're going to have this great rivalry and it is a respectful rivalry that they will fight each other hard on the track because Vettel doesn't give an inch I mean he's a nice guy but on the track he's a meme and yeah. so too is Hamilton, as we well know. What's, uh, come on, what I'm are you going to say? I'm going to blow you out because I'm come not going to blow now. you out. Oh, all right. <laughs> I wow. totally agree. Uh, here and so, uh, hang on. Yeah. Can you take a short break? <laughs> Let, Les agrees with me. <laughs> <laughs> what day is you it? You heard Alrighty. it first. May 15th. Hey, there you go. So, no, I, I totally agree with you because, quite honestly, I think Nico and Lewis got pretty ugly at times. Yeah, it did. And this... I still feel like watching it, even with today's close call, you know, the pit exit and, and the subsequent turns there, I still feel like those two guys might be out having a beer tonight. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the rivalry is very different because Hamilton and Rosberg, it was always very cold. Niggly. And I don't know what niggly means. but Just like niggling each other. Yeah. Like, but, pretending to be nice, but not really being nice. Hey, but, you know, you could see stuff. Vettel and Hamilton battling it out and screaming at each other on the track. But being best buddies, like Les is saying, I still yeah, say after the race. The sense of battle on a friendly field. That's what these guys are doing. They're going to get out there and they're going to beat on each other through yeah. the race. And they're racing cleanly. They're racing by the rules. You know, whether Lewis really realized he didn't hit those bumps on the outside of the turn, so he didn't go past the baller to re-enter or whatever. You know, I hope he did. That was that big, amazing thinking process through there. But, yeah, I can see them. And certainly they were congenial to each other. In the uh, pre-podium room. Well, it's go it's, have a beer, guys. I know, and it's one of my beefs, uh, which is something from motorcycle racing. Uh, if you like, uh, you have a teammate possibly in motorcycle racing, but it just it never seems that way because there are two separate teams. You saw it with Valentino Rossi uh, and with Jorge Lorenzo. You know, you might be in this, you might be on the same machine, but you're not in the same team. And I think I'd like to see Formula One go more towards that because when you get the unfortunate situation, and we could get it with Ferrari, Kimi Raikkonen could have been in that that fight today um and and he too is a world champion by his own merit um and i just think and we've seen it with red bull we've seen it with mercedes in the past if you can actually create a situation where you have the mercedes a team led by lewis hamilton and the mercedes b team however you want to say it the other team and it really becomes a rivalry that way 
then then you know all gloves off because that's been the problem when you have a red car versus a gray car or a silver car mm. then it, it's it's obvious to the crowd it's you know the difference between the blue team and the red team in american football or on a tennis court or whatever that's how rivalry that's how good sport how good entertainment is fueled and it, you know i think formula 1 can learn a little bit more about creating and 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 growing those rivalries Alrighty, but but Let's look at one particular brand. It's not Mercedes. It's not Ferrari. Let's look in place number 12 today. It was Honda. This was Senna's brand at one time. Seriously, to only wind up at, at 12, it fosters that rumor that's going around that McLaren's going to drop the Honda and go to Mercedes. What mm. do you think, Jonathan? Oof. Uh, well, one thing I can tell you is that talks have absolutely started and are ongoing between Sauber and Honda. So if Honda stays with McLaren, they will also be with Sauber next year, <laughs> which is important because it means that two teams developing the engine, which is how Mercedes have got to this point right now and how Ferrari have done the same with Haas and with their own team. So that's why Haas is competitive, because they've got a 2017 Ferrari engine. Um, so I can totally believe that happening. I think it's a good thing for Sauber, because I do think that McLaren are too big a team with too much investment to be 12. Um, they should be up there with Ferrari. They're spending the same kind of money as Mercedes and Ferrari. Um, their technical background and their championships, like you said, you mentioned Senna. Um, when he was racing for Honda and McLaren, they won 15 of the 16 races in one particular year, and he was with them you know, for many. Um, but yeah, back in the glory days, if you will, of Honda uh, and Formula One, they were winning everything. Now they came back with Braun, as you know, and they didn't, and BAT, and they didn't have the success there. And I think actually Honda would be better served because the comment that I got read was that they, the development of the engine didn't seem to suit the way it worked with McLaren. And I think if they can find a partner in Sauber, whereby they're the smaller entity of Honda's import into this mm. and therefore it's honda motor company hrc effectively honda racing corporation saying right we're going racing and sauber is our vessel rather than we're joining mclaren and we may be a good partner for a year or two uh, or three or four because that's where the frustration which is what you saw with red bull and renault um i mean i'm wobbling on a bit but i all i'm trying to say is i think i think it could definitely happen if they aren't more competitive two things are going to happen alonso will walk and McLaren will walk away from from um, Honda. I'll agree with that. Honda will have a little bit more of an upper hand with Sauber. Yeah. And I think that's what they need to be in. Instead of trying to have a team direct them, let the technology direct and deliver to the team, and the team use what they can deliver. But uh, walking away, Honda walking away, let's walk to Indy here soon. Well, yeah. I've got to say, it's, it's ironic that this side of the pond, Honda are not dominating but the honda presence against chevrolet chevrolet winning yesterday but uh, honda very much favorites for the indy 500 on the big ovals they're still king and they've come back from being yeah. you know being dominated by chevrolet a year ago to being absolutely competitive i i can guarantee you that honda will be up there in qualifying next weekend for indy 500 all right boys well let's uh, let's switch to indycar but let's take a break first but when we come back we're gonna have that interview with the winner of yesterday's race will power Listening to Speed City live from Austin. Back after a quick break.
Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself. Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. Envy Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only Envy Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by Envy Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Get the latest business news from CNBC. Weekday mornings at 6.30 and 8.30 and weekday afternoons at 12.30, 4.30 and 5.30. We make you smarter, hopefully it'll also make you some money. Stay connected with Talk 1370, the, the right, right choice. choice. Talk 1370, the right choice. Hi, this is Magnus Walker. Greetings from downtown LA and thanks for tuning in to Speed City. Keep Austin weird and get out and drive. Pedal to the metal. Welcome back to Speed City. When we left, we told you we were going to talk about IndyCar. And Jonathan, you got to catch up with Will Power last night. Yeah, I did. Uh, very delighted. Uh, and thanks to the folks at Indy for letting us do that. And we'll hope to do more of it. Uh, obviously, Indy is now gaining, as it should, uh, its rightful place as the top uh, motor racing in America, and it always has been, but um, it just, it's now, you know, a lot. The fact that two time world champion Fernando Alonso is going to miss the Monaco Grand Prix, and I'll say it again, he's going to miss yeah. the, the jewel in the crown of Formula One and come and race the greatest spectacle in racing, which of course is the Indy 500, is great for motor racing. It's great for Honda. It's great for fans the world over. And forget the politics. Fernando wants to win one of the hardest races in yep. the world to win. And he's one of the most talented drivers that we've ever seen. Uh, and I want to see him keep trying, even if he doesn't do it this year. Before we go to Will Power, though, I want to ask you, I want to ask both of you, do you think that Alonso has a shot? It's funny because uh, I, I've only got a, a clip of what Will... I asked Will Will point blank, and if you go onto our SoundCloud later, you'll you'll hear the answer to his opinion on that, which uh -huh. is interesting, because Will Power came up that way too, through Formula 3, through A1, through Renault 3.5. So he, you know, he had yeah, a similar... A perspective. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so he then took to the ovals, and he said, it's one thing to... He said, basically, it's one thing to see, you know, Fernando, like last week... Going around on your own, doing your orientation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. He said going three wide into turn one and knowing what to do and how to react, that's different. And you, you, can own, you can't simulate it. You can't practice it. You just got to do it. And he's now done it okay. for 13 I'm, years. I'm going to Let's go say back a number. Let's, let's hear a number. Let's hear a number? Well, well, let's see. Last year I was, you know, hanging around this, this nice young California kid we made friends with five years ago. <laughs> Kind of did okay, and uh, to be quite honest, we were in a fantasy uh, indie league yeah, we were. meeting the Saturday night, and the guy 
gets down to that point and he goes Yeah, they were they were, they were kind of Rossi's like 42 to 1 they were going, odds. Yeah, they were going down, yeah, they were going down oh. the list of who well, who should I go with? Should like, you know, I mean, you know, hey, it, it should surely it should be Will Power and you know, they were Elio. Yeah, the top and, ones are easy. And they were like, yeah. who's this guy? And I was like, just that's Rossi. So he takes yeah. him, turns him and he's like, I don't know this who this kid is. And <laughs> I said, I think you'll be surprised. 42 to 1. Now I looked really surprised really smart with a 42 to 1 wager or odds on the guy. The the beauty of it is, it is a bit of a lottery a 500 mile race the way it yeah. is uh it, i mean you know let's face it rossi with all due respect won on fuel saving last year let's be fair yeah um will power where you're about to hear him celebrating his 30th win his 47th pole position and now ranks <laughs> as in the top 10 he, he now goes ahead of rick mears uh in terms of accolades as most winning in Indy. Um, so an unbelievable career. He's never won the 500, but here's a, a little yeah. footnote. The last time he came closest was after he won this Grand Prix two years ago, and ah. he was second and runner-up in the Ooh. Indy 500. So it does bode well uh, to be this close. Well, right. here's the thing right. is I have never heard somebody run such a fuel consumption-focused race as what we saw last year. I bet there's going to be 10 of them doing that this year. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a very interesting strategy race, a very similar to what we saw today uh, in Formula One in terms of, uh, you know, Honda versus Chevrolet and how they strategize between big teams too. We've got five or six drivers. Uh, Rossi was helped last year by his teammates. So I think we'll see something similar. Anyway, let's, right, get, since, let's get to the well, man in hand. Uh, he spoke well, to us live. Okay, go ahead. From Indy last night, literally uh, in his overalls, uh, straight after winning um, his 37th. IndyCar win, and he did it in a completely green race. So what I mean by that is there were no cautions. It was, I saw Ray Hall's hands afterwards. There were oh, yeah. blisters on them because it may not be the oval, but that is a really fast 190 mile an hour and front straight uh, and in, into first gear corners, very tough physically. They're expecting quite a bit of the same thing as F1 with the aero differences. Uh, they started it last year, so yeah. it's there. Anyway, I spoke to Will Power straight after winning um, his uh, race yesterday. His first win of 2017 after a lot of disappointment. He was second at Phoenix, and finally he won last night. Okay, Speed City fans, I'm delighted to welcome onto the show Will Power, who has just achieved another great victory uh, at Indianapolis, uh, his second on the road course, and his first for this year. And Will, after the start you've had, which has been really impressive, but the results haven't been, the frustration must be, uh, you know, the frustration must have been tough coming in here, but uh, must be all over now with you and the team, given that you've got that victory you wanted. No, that was, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a great weekend. Led every session, and um, we had been, uh, uh, so you get into a bit of bad luck, but uh, very happy to get that first win, especially in Indianapolis. <laughs> well, and of course, you uh, two years ago won this race and went on to get a runner-up spot at Indy 500, so there can't be a better preparation for you and the team in terms of uh, preparing for the biggest race of all. No, that's, uh, that's true. We... Uh, uh, we definitely, uh, you know, uh, that was a tough one in 2015 to miss out by a little bit, but uh, 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 you know, all here in Indianapolis, uh, and, you know, we'll just start the month off and see where we're at, and we work hard to uh, have a great car for us. 
It's been a tough uh, weekend in terms of even, I mean, I, I wonder, you tell me, but uh, sometimes you think when you when you have an all-green race like you did, that it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be plain sailing. But I, I physically could see and I can hear you coughing that it's been a tough physical weekend for you. Yeah, it has actually. I've had a cold and... Uh, uh, I struggled me a little bit, but I, I mean, I feel uh, I felt fine, like physically, I was fine. It was a tough race. Um, you know, it really was all green. And the Indy car is pretty hard because of the, you know, how heavy the wheel is and the downforce they have. So, um, but yeah, all good, all good. A win fixes everything. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I suppose for you and the team, especially, like you say, it's going to be a long two weeks. It always is, this run-up to Indy. But um, getting it all right, I mean, the qualifying's been there the whole time. But for you, and, and, and I know you, you thanked um, your guys, your strategists, uh, I mean, the engineers, everybody, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a big squad that's behind you. Um, uh, but so important to kind of be on that uh, psychological edge, I suppose, um, going into what's going to be a very long couple of weeks, isn't it? Yeah, no, um, it's for all the guys that work on your car, and uh, yeah, uh, you know, once you get that win under your belt, it gives them confidence that we can do it. Um, you know, obviously the 500, there's a lot of pressure there. Case he's won there so many times, we uh, uh, give us great cars, so you really want to perform as a driver, uh, and there's a group on each car, so. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's first class all the way there. It's, it's such a pleasure to drive for Roger Penske. And it may be your 30th win, but it puts you in the top 10 overall, uh, surpassing both Rick Mears, another ex-Penske guy, uh, and uh, Elio Castroneves. So, um, you know, I, I think that personally that's got to be very appealing to be up there in the ranks of the Rick Mears of this world. Uh, yeah, Definitely, never would have dreamed of winning 30 races in IndyCar. Um, you know, being up there with guys like Rick, it's not something I think about too often. But uh, maybe when I retire, I will um, look at that. Think, wow, what a great time I had. And I know Bo's been to a race, and I suppose he's too young to really <laughs> realise what's going on. But uh, nice to have him there and uh, see you see you win a race, and one I'm sure you'll tell him about. Yeah, yeah, he's talking about his son Bo, and uh, <laughs> who was born in December. And yeah, I think Will's kind of yeah, sorry, the, the effects weren't very good on uh, the the interview there, so I apologise for the, the sound quality on that one. But um, we'll get it back out on SoundCloud in a better better format, and um. But yeah, I mean, really pleased for Will. That bodes well because he is now, he's really sated now. He's had a son in December. He said he used to get really uptight about, um, you know, uh, about being, you know, just when things didn't go his way. Uh, he was, you know, very much uh, emotional, too well, emotional. Well, but now well, he's we... calmed down and maybe the son's kind of calmed him down because you can't, can't control It could very well be. You know, when we spoke to him last year when we were there, he was tense, yeah, and, and really focused, and all of that. And of course, you know, naturally, you know, already knowing he's expecting a child at that point. But <laughs> uh, but that was the hundredth race, and so you know, I was thrilled to see Will come in as he did this time. And we got Scott Dixon right behind him. Yeah, another, I know. another great guy and a 
Ryan Hunter Ray is uh, just overall a great one. It really shook, will shake up the standings if this year continues the way it is. Yeah, and drive of the day, Graham Ray Hall. Yeah, absolutely. Blisters and from, all. From the back, blisters on his hands. He came from 17th. Uh, to finish in the top six. Uh, it really does another guy that bodes well uh, for the Indy 500. Um, his father, you know, will be there, but uh, Graham is now definitely come of age, and his racing is really getting good now. Hey, yep. you know, somebody asked about, uh, okay, well, if Alonzo's going to Indy, who's who's stepping in? The answer? Jensen Button. Jensen Button's going to run Marco. Right. Since, since you boys were too chicken when I asked you a while ago to give me a number, I'll give you my number. I say Alonzo finishes 11th. I'm no, I'm. Oh, okay. No, sorry. Oh, I, I well. wasn't. Too, whoa, whoa there. Whoa there. Hey there, cowboy. <laughs> you I make a you good Texan. You, uh, the way come you, on now. He's working on it. Come on now. Ain't no little though. <laughs> I say top ten. I believe okay. for, if if everything goes. I mean, you never know it, Indy. I mean, you can be involved in a right. First, right. First it is. Pilot. It is a gamble. You're right. I, if if everything goes according to plan, Fernando is so smart. He'll learn quickly. He'll stay out of trouble if he can. And I think he will be there. And I think he has a good chance with the package that he's got, with the knowledge that Andretti can give him, as they gave Rossi last year. Rossi will be there to help too. Um, but they've got a big team this year. Um, you know, and I think I, I think top 10 is not unfeasible. Okay, but that's throwing a grade. Grenade, give us one number. He's going to finish eighth. Dude, you just took mine. I had my hand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll take ninth. If you're taking eighth, I'll take ninth. All right, I just tried to Google it. Las Vegas odds for Nando Alonso Indy 500, but I haven't found it yet. I just uh, wanted, that, that's actually somebody absurd. let us know. That's got to be. I got a bigger challenge. Inger on her interview said I got to get a selfie with him because she's going to Monaco and she's going to be hanging out with the uh, rich and famous. So I said I would try and get a uh, a selfie with me and Alonso. So that's the least I can try <laughs> to do. That's right. You're going to be at Nobody the Indy 500. Nobody wants to see you. I will be at the Indy 500 <laughs> reporting live for you. Uh, of course. In fact, I'm going to be there for the whole week, uh, and I hope to give out stories. Um, there's quite a lot of media and Carb Day, and there's concerts and stuff. You know, there's so much going on. You know, Les, you were there last yeah, year. Yeah. It, it's such a festival. I mean, I, I, if you're a motorsport fan, you got to. That's a bucket list job. You got to do that hey, one time. Yeah, I will tell you. You know, last year was my first 500, and Carb Day has is not what it used to be. But I'm going to tell you, you could go down to Gasoline Alley. At the end of the day, you could go out on the grid area and the front straight, and you know, I stepped up to Roger Penske and spoke to him for a while. I mean, these Roger, guys are Roger hanging punched him, but <laughs> he did step up and talk to him. I was there. You made Secu somebody climb a fence. And you know what? I didn't. When I got to security, and I said, "Look, it's Laz. You know, like, they let him go. It was fine." <laughs> All right, no, I almost That's believe it. you. It's it. It's All right, guys, we got we got to wrap it up. So, thanks for tuning into Speed City, and uh, thanks for putting up with our our technical glitches. And if you watched on YouTube, thanks a lot, and uh, keep keep watching. And we'll we're going to continue to try to do that. So, talk to you next week. Happy trails, ciao, y'all. Take talk with you anywhere. On your computer or smartphone, log on to Talk1370.com. A beautiful, beautiful site. Stay connected with Talk 1370, the right choice. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.